Hi everyone, I'm Allie Stone and this is Discovering Hospitality. Now I've been in the hospitality industry for over 20 years. Serving in all capacities, I started out as a server to present day where I'm part owner of a multi-unit franchise in Northern Alberta called Original Joe's. My journey continues to the Inspired Leader, which I founded in 2020. Through this, I help leaders from all industries create meaningful careers. And I do this through the education I received from my many years as a senior level leader in hospitality. I truly believe if we could bring more hospitality to more industry around the world, it would be a better place. Of course, hospitality has given me a life rich with adventure, connection, let's not forget humor, and of course the challenges which I believe can be unique to the hospitality industry. So this podcast, it was created to highlight the incredible moments that exist in our industry. Behind the day-to-day -day of hospitality lies millions of stories, serving as evidence that this is one of the most complex, challenging, and ultimately fulfilling industries on the planet. And when you peek beneath the surface, it's revealed that this industry, despite those challenges, offers a unique glimpse into creativity, beauty, and ultimately the strength it takes to bring it all to life each and every day. So it's my purpose with this podcast to share the celebration of humanity that exists in hospitality. I want to share how this industry is one of the most incredible industries in the world and how hospitality creates a place for the world to become more connected and ultimately to become more beautiful. Thank you for joining me on this week's podcast and I truly hope you enjoy it. Welcome everybody back to another week of Discovering Hospitality. I'm your host, Ali Stone, and as always, I'm super excited to be here. Um, you might be listening to my sultry bedroom voice today and wondering what's going on. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've been out with COVID for the last 12 days, so it's been a bit of a haul for me. Uh, you'll hear me breathing a little heavy today, but I am on my way back and uh, excited to be podcasting and hanging out again. And I have an awesome guest here today, Courtney Campbell, long, oh man, we've known each other six or seven years, I'd say now, it's yeah, been a while, yeah. At least seven, and, yeah. <laughs> and I convinced him to come on and have a conversation with me. So Courtney, thanks for coming to hang out with me today. I am so honored that you even thought about asking me. You're, you're diving deep into your phone book now. I you must be. <laughs> you know, a lot of people actually reach out to me, believe it or not. So yeah. goes back and forth. <laughs> it's, my, it's my fault then. <laughs> yeah, you should have been reaching deep into your phone book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I usually like to start these podcasts off with just getting you to share with the listeners a little bit about yourself. So anything you think is pertinent, but maybe a little bit about Courtney Campbell, how we got to know each other, maybe how you ended up here today, um, your journey through hospitality, anything you'd like to share? Sure. Um, well, I have been in the restaurant industry since I was 18 years old, and I started as a busser in the old spaghetti factory in West Hampton Mall. And uh, ever since then, I have been in this industry working my way up. Um, and I met Allie Stone, like you said, probably seven-ish years ago, uh, and um, I got hired to be the general manager of State and Maine, off the street, 
um, in Southgate Mall. And I gotta say, um, there's, uh, it was definitely a turning point for, for my career because it definitely felt at the time that it was, um, it's run its course. And uh, my time with Allie and Chris and Tim and everyone at Friendworks had uh, rejuvenated me, I guess. So um, I remain loyal to the industry and I remain um, loyal to you kind folks for everything you've done. I remember interviewing you. And so, okay, I want to say that uh, we rarely hire a general manager off the street like rarely, rarely, we always try to promote from within. So when we interviewed you and hired you, it was like a big, you know, um, <clears throat> out of the norm <laughs> for yeah. us. And yeah. I remember sitting down and talking after I met you and I said to Chris, I was like, I just really like him. I don't know what it is. I feel like we're going to have a lot of fun together. And we did, right? Like once we got working together and stuff, I loved your energy and the girls in the restaurant loved you so much. You were so goofy and you always had fun. Even though you call yourself an introvert, I watched you have so much fun with them yeah. and you brought so much energy and joy to hospitality. So I'm so glad that that got re, you know, reinvigorated for you because you are a leader and you're a great leader. And so I guess my first question is why hospitality? Like, why was that the choice for you? Is it something like you just kind of fell into or was it, was it an act of choice for you when you were busing <laughs> the old spaghetti factory? How did that come about? Well, I mean, you touched on it a little bit. Um, I was a pretty introverted kid through high school and school in general. Um, you know, I always had my one, my one friend, you know, and um, I knew it was going to be tough for me. Like I always, it just, it just always felt like it was going to be tough for me. Uh, not being able to get out of my box, I guess. And uh, my mom, who I'll talk about later, um, really encouraged me to work on my weaknesses, I guess, right? And just say, um, so it was something that uh, I had my uh, sister sort of do a little hospitality and my, uh, my stepsister did a little bit of serving in a, in a restaurant. And um, so I got to spend a little time there and I just... I got, a, I got a job in the kitchen at Chili's before I worked at the Spaghetti Factory and I didn't work a single day there because I knew I needed to be front of house for it to work. Okay. So um, I got offered a busing position, even as an 18 year old, you know, you'd think you'd be serving and, and all that, but I, I, I took the job just because I, I knew what I needed to work on and it was, uh, it was life-changing, obviously. I mean, it's been my whole life of, in this and uh, yeah. I think that's um, it's something that I've worked on. And, and to this day, I think people, you know, after meeting me or um, knowing me for a little bit are always a little surprised when I say I'm introverted. Um, but I really just do need downtime, me time to recharge that battery before I go back out. Yeah. Yeah. I often think yeah, I often think it's an energy thing, right? So we all kind of, you just said it there, but we all have like a certain threshold to which we can give out into the world. And if we don't recharge our own batteries, I actually think introverts are smart because <laughs> sometimes extroverts go so far that they just burn themselves out and they're just out there all the time. And I've learned in my life, especially over the last couple of years, the importance of like quiet time and uh, reflection and being able to process your thoughts and recharge your own batteries so that you can take care of other people, right? Yeah. It's just impossible if you don't do it. Right. 
there's a threshold for everybody, whether they want to admit it or not. <laughs> there's probably some people shaking their heads at us right now, but they'll find yeah. their threshold. <laughs> they will. I think, yeah, well, I guess it's the one thing I don't understand is um, the people who seem to always put it out there um, where I, you know, I crawl back to my, my house and luckily my wife's a little introverted too. So we, we appreciate our alone time and we appreciate our, you know, recharge our own batteries, which is great. And, um, but yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I have people in my life who are very high energy all the time. You can call them any time of the day and they can just put it out. But, uh, I, I do appreciate that, that I've learned to put myself out there and I appreciate the hospitality industry for giving me that and teaching me that. But, um, yeah, I need to get, I need to get home sometimes and, and sit down and be quiet and, you know, which is tough with two kids and a dog around, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would provide its challenges for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Lock a door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just in the bathroom a lot of the time by myself. And <laughs> going, going They're like, Dad home. just likes to spend a lot of time in the bathroom. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, back it up because I wanted to ask you this off the start and then I forgot. What did you want to be when you grew up? When you were like a kid, what was like your dream job? Sure. Uh, I wanted to be an airline pilot um, first oh. when I was a small kid. And by the time I was in high school, I had realized I'd never even been on a plane. <laughs> um, so I didn't know if I was scared of heights or, or, you know, could handle flying or anything like that. Um, and my uncle was a firefighter. I spent a lot of time with him. He was sort of a father figure when I grew up. And uh, all through high school, I just, that was it. I was gonna, I was gonna be a firefighter when I got out. And, um, yeah, I guess things could have turned out differently had had I not, you know, taken a different step in a different direction, I guess. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this in our time together, but I'm fascinated with aviation. <laughs> like, really? Yes, I would like 100% fly a plane. I want to go in one of those like crazy like stunt planes and do the like loop-to-loop and stuff and Chris is like you're gonna die and I'm like no it's gonna be the best and I haven't like gotten up the courage to do it but but it's like my dreams in my head like I love flying I think it's very very cool so (laughs) I have what about about the g-force of it like you like like you go on like extreme rides where you feel like that pressure on your on your body from the I don't know about that maybe I don't know that's what you're gonna feel yeah, yeah, it is. You're right. I'm not the crazy like ride person, but I'm just fascinated with the fact like anytime I get on an airplane and go somewhere, I'm like, this thing's carrying like 500 people and it just lifted off the ground. And now it's going to take us across the ocean to London or Tokyo or wherever you're going. And it, I just, it, I just am fascinated by it. I don't know how else to explain it because I don't know enough about it, but <laughs> So I should probably make it my like hobby. It should be my hobbyist thing. <laughs> yeah. Go for one of those little twin engine Cessnas and see how much you enjoy the rocky trip that you get from that and then go from there. My Compared- cousin was actually a pilot. He got his commercial pilot's license. This I always think this is crazy. He got his commercial pilot's license. He could be working for WestJet Air Canada or whatever. And uh, he spent all those hours training doing that. And now he's an Edmonton Transit bus driver and he loves it. That's, Does he tell people he's a pilot too? And they get no, on his bus. No, you have to you have to know him to know that, or else he just talks oh about God, it's so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, he's he's a bit of a I I I don't know why you go through all that and learn all those things <laughs> and just be so qualified 
and then drive a bus. I don't, nothing against bus drivers. I think that's amazing. It's such yeah. service for the community. And, and I got a whole other tangent about that, but it just seems weird to me that he could be jet setting and, you know, and having overnights in Hawaii and stuff. Yeah. Like that. And so he's sliding around on Empton streets in our, in our bus fleet. So maybe he realized the reality of it is his was, would be his overnight would be in Winnipeg or Regina. Yeah, maybe yeah at least to start like, right ah. it's the non-glamorous routes to begin <laughs> yeah yeah I don't think you get the uh the Maui route right off the hop <laughs> right I might be wrong about that yeah. uh okay I'm gonna swing it back to hospitality for you because okay. <laughs> this is what we do this is, I do this to people all the time sorry so I apologize I'll, I'll bring you back um okay I want to talk about hospitality I want to talk about leadership because I was like talking about this it's obviously a big deal for me Right. Um, so what was it that made you want to become a leader in the hospitality industry? So how did that transpire for you throughout your career? Because I'm sure that wasn't the first thing you thought of, right? Uh, it, it wasn't. I, I guess maybe it was the age and when I started it or, or something, but I was always just sort of put in those positions. Um, and I guess you don't think about it then, but like... You know, after being at the Spade factory for a year, I went from being a busser to the head busser. And then I was the bartender to the head bartender. And then I was waiter to the head waiter. And then I was a supervisor and a manager. And then I was like, I'm out of here. And then I went to Marietta's and I was started off as a junior waiter. And then I was a senior waiter. And then I was the bartender. And then uh, I was, you know, supervising. And then suddenly I was the general manager. And I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> right. Um, You've always had that thing about you where people see something more in you. Yes, yes. And I guess it doesn't always make you 100% comfortable if you don't necessarily see it yourself. Mm -hmm. But you always, um, I don't know, I guess, I guess it's nice because, I mean, knock on wood, I mean, there are lots of people who work, you know, very, very, very hard to cultivate an image. And I feel like uh, maybe I've breezed by a little bit because... I've just been, you know, my awkward, weird self, and people have seen something in that, which has been very flattering, I guess. I mean, I mean, I've, I, you know, when I when I left um, Marietta's, or sorry, just before I left Marietta's, I was going to school and I was taking accounting, um, and I took accounting for three years, and I had to take a leadership class, and I failed that class. And my leadership teacher said, um, you should drop this. There's no way you're going to pass. Um, uh, there's no way you're going to be a leader, um, which I, I always find funny to this day because um, she wasn't, she wasn't, I felt like you couldn't teach leadership. I think people need to embrace it and people want to have it and you can learn it, but um, I'm not necessarily sure that you can you can teach it. You have to sort of seek it out yourself and 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 take it your own way. Because there's so many people out there who take leadership classes or take leadership courses, and they're still just bosses. Mm-hmm. They're still just managers and bosses. Um, so I think leadership is something that is sort of bestowed upon you by by everyone else around. Mm. I also think you have to own it. I think if you want to be a leader, you have to own it. It's a it's a choice. I always say right. to people, you you anybody can be a manager. Not anybody can be a leader. Yeah, 
<laughs> which is, you know, and it's hard for sometimes for people to wrap their heads around because they think managing and leading are one and the same, but they're so incredibly different. So what's your philosophy on leadership? Um, I, th I think it's just having, um, you know, we, you guys gave me a lot of uh, books and stuff to read when I, when I was at uh, Framworks and it was, um, a lot of them were, were, you know, hit the head um, right on the nail about, you know, sort of how I felt about it in, in ways, but I feel like, you know, when, when I become a manager or where people sort of bestow that upon me, people have the same vision of what it should be as I do. And I guess that's organizationally wise, but I like to surround myself with people who, you know, are like-minded. So I'm not exactly sure I can wrap my head around it that way, other than I like to surround myself with people who will, you know, act the way I would act in the same situation and do the same, you know, and, and have that same sort of um, ownership of, of what they're, what they're doing in the same situation, whether I'm there or not. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's how I see it is that I, I attract people who are like me in a way um, or would act the same way I do in a leadership role. And I like to encourage that and help them come up in the same, same path as me. And I, and I feel like when, when teams really get cohesive, they sort of root out everyone who, who isn't, you know, aligned with, with that vision. And I think that's what leaders do is they sort of, for some reason, they're sort of magnetically, they draw people in who are, who are like them and they sort of repel anyone away who's not. That doesn't mean anyone's not the right fit, you know, that they can't be a leader, they can't grow. It just means that they might not be best under that person. Mm -hmm. so yeah, absolutely. I, I've, I've been with, with managers and, you know, restaurant groups that I just didn't fit. And, you know, you, just, you don't know until you're in it. And then when you're in it, you're like, this isn't going to go well because we don't, we don't see the, you know, these people are successful, but not in the way that I want to be, I guess. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, okay, well, let me ask you this question then. Um, you know, you're talking about having this cohesive team and, and the differences between these things. And I think you're talking about culture, um, if I was to put a word to it. What does a, what does a great team culture look like to you? <clears throat> what would that look like under the leadership of Courtney Campbell? <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, like, my, my last year at State Maine, I gotta say, felt, I mean, there was there was some rocky there was some rockiness there like no one no one's perfect but um there was the last couple of years there it just felt like things were starting to feel really easy um you know my staff was recruiting staff um if someone was sick uh someone would fill that role without me even having to ask about it or if I did have to ask it was because I was like hey let me help you find someone and I would like put out a message and someone would respond right away and be like oh I know what that's like hey help me out blah 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 so it just to me it just seems like People are just being, I guess, selfless. Um, you know, I guess, I guess that's in general. That's what I like to see in 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 a team that I have, a team that I'm building is just a selflessness. We're just like, it, it doesn't really matter. I'm here for I'm here for the group. I'm here for I'm here for us to all feel successful or for us all to have a good, happy, easy night. Um, you know, things can go sideways, but, you know, if you're surrounded by those people and you, and you feel like everyone's selflessly doing what they can, you feel really good. You feel like it's easy to go to work. 
the sideways doesn't matter so much actually when you're all yeah. taking care of each other. I think that's one of the like the beautiful things about hospitality and teams and one of the things that you tend not to get in other industries as much. Um, there's not so much of an ability for things to just completely go sideways off the wall as much as there is in hospitality yeah. in like one revenue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like things can really fall apart in a hurry. And there's something about that. <clears throat> and Chris and I used to talk about this all the time, but there's something about that that like ties us together. We're like in this struggle together. And you're right. When you come at it from a selfless perspective and that we're all in this together, the camaraderie and the way that the team connects beyond that is just, it's almost indescribable, which is, um, it's, and it's neat. It's neat when you're in that as a leader and you feel the flow. And like you said, it feels easy and you, you're kind of like wondering what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> People aren't talking to you and you're like, but they're all so happy. And, and it's, it's this beautiful thing that happens when everything just like clicks. Right. And yeah. so, um, it's kind of like talking about, I don't know, beauty. It's hard to describe. Right. <laughs> so I ask hard questions. So I apologize about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I always think it's good to get people's perspective. So let me ask you this. What has been a defining moment for you in hospitality or in your career? Well, What's I touched on that earlier when I, when I, I was really feeling like I left a fine dining place. I went from just being a, like a, you know, senior server to being a general manager, like a, um, and, th and that was hard. And then I, I bounced around a little bit. I knew I needed to round myself out. So I went, um, when I left, I became a, a bar manager. I became a, a culinary manager. Like I sort of rounded everything out. Um, but I was feeling a little, I don't know, like purposeless, I guess, in the restaurant industry. Like, um, I hadn't, I hadn't found, I hadn't found my reason to, to stay anymore, I guess. Um, and uh, I took another GM job uh, at a different local eatery and it just it just I just knew after I took it and I worked there for a little bit like it just wasn't my culture it wasn't my scene I just I couldn't make traction I couldn't whatever and then uh, when, when I started at Friendworks I had a very touching speech by uh, <laughs> by uh, your husband Chris and uh, it was the opening night of the uh, Sher no, the yeah, the Sherwood Park location. It was okay. the first. There was their opening. They were they were doing their soft open. They were doing like everything. I was I was a part of that whole open, which was great. Um, so I got to do a little bit of everything. But uh, he made a speech, and you know, it, it's not necessarily what he said, but the whole speech itself sort of spoke to me in the fact where he was just talking about just taking care of people's times and people are going out, right? And they need to, they need to go out. They need to celebrate. They need a place to meet and catch up with old friends and just all that stuff. Then that, that had, that, that spoke to me that, that I could create a team of people who could really care about people who came in and making sure that, you know, especially, you know, nowadays, even like money's so tight and people's time is so important. They don't get to see each other forever. And coming out of this pandemic, it's going to be more important than ever. But that was the turning point for me. And then having that culture where, um, you know, there was just, there was just, you know, you guys wanted, um, you know, you guys were recommending all these books and you guys, you know, gave me an audible um, allowance. So I just started uh, listening to audiobooks 
and not all of them clicked i'm, I'm not gonna lie like there's a bunch of those recommendations where i was like oh this is just like listening to paint dry like it was awful <laughs> uh but some of them were were great right so i mean i mean that that culture of just constantly saying like hey we have we have purpose we have meaning doing what we're doing and like it doesn't matter if you know people outside the industry say oh well you're just you know what are you doing you can't you can't make life work this way um you know it's it's encouraging to know that you know you do have you do have this very crucial space in the world mm-hmm. and i think now that people have been without it for a year and a half or or been deprived of it um they appreciate it more you know yeah. what would you say what would you say to somebody who because this is a very interesting time for hospitality. So let me frame it up. So if, if somebody's listening and they're not in hospitality, this is a very weird time to get into hospitality because it's been very volatile. It's been very up and down, but there's still, you know, <clears throat> I don't know, hordes <laughs> of 18 to 20 year olds looking for jobs right now. And this could be an excellent career for them, but I'm betting that they're unsure right now about that. If you were able to talk to somebody who was thinking about getting into hospitality right now, what would you tell them about it? And how would you, yeah, how would you share the beauty of it with them? It, it, it has to, you have to have a certain personality to do it, right? Um, you have to have, you have to be able to, you know, I mean, I mean, for me to join my team, I guess you'd, you'd have to have the type of personality where um, you do you know, care about all those, all those things we previously discussed. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're concerned about getting in the industry, it, it's got to be one of the most flexible things you can do, right? So if you're, if you're, uh, you know, in the hordes of people looking for a job, yeah, it might not be for you. And if you think it's not, then I guarantee you it's, it's not, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you think, you, if you think you can't, you won't, and you won't do well. Yes. But if you thought, if you've ever thought about it, I would say, it gives you the most flexibility to give it a try. And once you discover the, the family atmosphere that you can achieve when you find the right concept for you, then you can find pride in um, the food that you serve. You can find pride in the allowances that your company gives you to interact with people and how you interact with them and um, making sure that, you know, if you've ever had a birthday party at a restaurant and it went really well, and you've also had uh, a birthday party and it went really poor, you know the importance of how that feels and how you can make a difference in people's lives. Um, now more than ever, I mean, people want to people wanna contribute and make a change. I think now is a great time to get into the, the restaurant industry because you can really, once people come back, um, they're going to really want to come back and, and, and thank, you know, restaurants for being there throughout the pandemic and thank people and um, see old friends that they haven't seen in years or family members they they've decided to stay away from for you know for health reasons or whatever so I think it's a I think it's a really great way to give back to people in general and hopefully you can find a company that also goes beyond that and can give back Um, I mean Brandworks was great because they you guys had the heart cart and you guys um, you know went to all these different places just to give back to those people. And I think that's a really important thing. That's a really important thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think that hospitality teaches, at least it taught me so many lessons about life that I think it would have took me a lot longer to learn 
had I not been in the industry. <clears throat> like I would have had to go out and find different uh, communities to be a part of or different groups to be a part of to kind of learn some of these things. Like you're talking about like the giving back and this like team, this like really intense team aspect and like all of these things. Um, and as you were talking, it was funny because I was like, the one thing too that happens, you know, for somebody new is that you end up making uh, like lifelong friends and you have all these new this whole new group and community of friends. And I think like, what a cool way for somebody to kind of step out that experience of high school or like early years and into your early adulthood with just this whole new group of people <clears throat> to learn from and learn with. And um, when Chris and I got married, <laughs> so we were together for a long time, like uh, 13 years before we got married. <laughs> so we have been running, um, well, we had a few going at that time. I think there's six locations or something. So we got married. I was 29. So I was already running to Willier for five years at that point. And I remember we were writing our invitations for our wedding and it, we, it was like three quarters restaurant people. And there was like some people in family that were like really extended. We were like, well, we maybe we don't have to invite them and then we can invite <laughs> these <laughs> restaurant people. Right. And um, I always look back on that. So, and I remember my mom saying to me at one point, she's like, well, are, are like, are you sure? Like, you know, are these people going to be in your life? And I was like, I don't know, but I know we're going to have a lot of fun and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to enjoy ourselves. And I look back on our wedding so fondly. It was, it was a party. Um, but it was so, it was so much fun. And it was like the meeting of all of these different hospitality personalities coming together and just having this huge celebration. I remember just being so proud of it and everything that we have built. And I think there's so many people um, that I'm still very close with that, you know, were at that, at that wedding that day. And um, I don't know, I don't know for sure, but I kind of don't think you get that as at least as quickly somewhere else or in the same way that that happened for us, you know? Yeah. And I, and I also think, you know, once you, it's one of the few industries, I mean, like you said, you can come out in your twenties or you can, I mean, you can join in your thirties, you can join whenever, but um, it's one of the few industries where you do make that lifelong friendship. And then you realize after a decade or two decades that everyone's doing their own thing. You know, like I know, I know doctors and lawyers and, and all these people that I met in the, in the restaurant industry, they're all doing their own things, right. They're yeah. in, they're in government and just everything. And, you know, when, once you get out and you become a lawyer, you typically have lawyer friends, right? Mm -hmm. You work in your office or you get into your career and you have those friends. Whereas even if hospitality isn't your long-term goal, you learn so much and you have so many friends that end up being in, it gives you the array of, um, you know, drug and experimental and party type, but there's also the people who are like very serious, like teachers and, and lawyers yeah. and stuff. And they all just sort of blend and they're like friends and you know my wife was I met my wife in the hospitality industry and to this day all her you know a ton of the people she knows are from her restaurant days but they're they're scattered across the country they're scattered across industries and it really gives you a friendship that I don't think that any social media or any other job could ever give you it's just it's the whole spectrum of things yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so cool. <clears throat> I'm just smiling as you're telling me, cause I'm like, man, there's just so many memories, right? Like it just, 
and and it's it's the and you still get the lawyer like it's the soon to be a lawyer the soon to be accountant like all of these people who have you know not everybody's staying in hospitality forever so this array that you're talking about is actually really incredible that you have access to that just completely shapes your experience of life right yeah i've i've actually had servers who got job offers while serving a table um, this, this, this one, one, I always think of this one when I, when I say that I've, I've had it happen so many times, but this girl, Nicole was working at state Maine and she was a teacher. Okay. Uh, she was, she was becoming a teacher. She was just finishing up and she met the principal of a school from her hometown where her hometown was in Grand Prairie, who had come to our place and they, they hit it off and she got offered a job before she was in, even done school to move back home to where she wanted to be to be a teacher in a school that I was like, I can't even believe what the odds are there. I, I can't imagine. And that, you know, if I cut the sections differently, that might not have happened, but here you are, you know, yeah. and she lives there now and she's married, she's got a dog and, and all these things. It's amazing to see that that all happened, you know, for her because of that, right? I love that. Yeah, it's so cool. I love that so much. And we're in this experience of life every day. Like, even though we're running a business and we're doing something, we're executing, for some reason, it just feels like you're in this experience of life, your life, your team's life, and other people's lives all the time. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. I think that's kind of a cool place to talk about people make the world beautiful. <clears throat> so um, <laughs> you're already laughing at me. So I love, this is my favorite. This is the only reason I do the podcast, Courtney. <laughs> right. So um, people make the world beautiful, obviously, was something Chris came up with. And, um, you know, I keep it alive on this podcast because I'm super connected to it. But it also keeps Chris's memory alive, too, for me in this podcast. And I think it's such a great way to, like, honor the things he did as a leader, too. And and you were a big part of when people make the world beautiful started with us in the organization. Yeah. You were around. So um, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to share people make the world beautiful story today with the listeners. If you have one, you'd like to share. Well, I'm only going to take this, uh, moment to just talk about my mom and, and I'm going to try not to get emotional doing it, but the same time that that all was happening at Framworks, uh, with people make the world beautiful. Uh, I found out that my mom had cancer and she passed away, obviously. Um, so before I get emotional, I gotta say, uh, she still does that for me. She still makes the, the world beautiful. And um, it's so funny that, uh, you know, she was, <laughs> we were so poor as kids and, and everything. And she, uh, she, she, she never made you feel that way. And she never, you know, she could just say she's disappointed in you and your whole, your whole behavior would change, right? She never had to, she never had to be a disciplinarian. She, you know, you just need to know that, oh, I disappointed mom. And um, yeah, to this day, I just, that's all I do is I just try to make sure that uh, I'm making her proud and I'm making decisions that, you know, would make her proud and, and, and all those things. And yeah, I think that's, that's the only thing. I mean, some people say like, you know, um, everyone's, you know, can say that they're proud of their mom or everything like that. And um, I'm just grateful I got a good one, I guess. So, mm -hmm. so um, yeah, 
And anytime um, that hashtag comes up, uh, it just it's a little bit of a tumultuous time, but it was, um, yeah, just it's a it's a good reminder, I guess. Mm-hmm. So anyone listening um, who thinks fondly of their mother, uh, give her a call, <laughs> spend time with her. Yeah, yeah. It's an important reminder of those minutes and how important they are in our lives, right? Yeah, I mean, I, obviously you you can think back and say I could have spent more time with her, but um, I always think that you know I I made sure that I called her every month or I had a hangout with her every month, right? Um, so there was that. And she she put her life on hold long enough for us as kids to, you know, become adults and and move out on her own. And she had her own time and her own experiences, which were great. And, and uh, I never want to think back and regret anything. I just want to think back and think that uh, it was just perfect, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well thank you for sharing that. I remember that being a really challenging time for you too. And yeah, that's really tough. I think there's, um, I don't know what the right word is. I want to say remarkable about something like that, about how like these two kind of things are happening side by side. It's like this paradox of life that happens sometimes. And um, it seems really messed up at the time. And then later you're, it, you know, this people make the world beautiful becomes a trigger for you to think about your mom and how special is that, you know, and how much would she love that yeah. <laughs> if you knew yeah. that too, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's amazing. Um, <clears throat> we do for time. I'm going to do a little quick lightning round with you. All right. <laughs> uh, take Let me it, compose myself. Lighten you up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we will dedicate this episode to your mom though. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so these little lightning rounds, I just do it kind of light. It's just I don't do it all the time. It depends if I have time, but um, I think it could be fun with you. Uh, three questions. First answer that comes to your head. Nothing, nothing too crazy, um, but just out, kind of a little bit out there questions. Okay. Okay. All right. <clears throat> all right. Okay. First one, maybe easy, maybe hard. What's the most memorable thing you've seen through hospitality? I saw two kitchen guys, uh, uh, one was a prepper and one was a, a dishwasher and they were both a little um, eccentric, I should say. Um, one of them started to attack the other one like full on wrestling style with like a baking sheet and like hit him over the head. Um, so I remember that um, being pretty crazy. And uh, the same prepper um, later that week was cutting this like giant brick of mozzarella and he had had this huge curved knife right? oh i know see. that knife and they're pushing down on it and the guy's wrists his hands slipped and he went down and he pulled it back up because obviously he's like oh i slipped and he cut his wrist open and i have never seen so much blood in my entire <laughs> life it was just like projectile i was the i was the manager on duty and of course and um I honestly had no idea what to do. I like, obviously I like wrapped it up and like he, you could see him turning like, like gray. (laughs) Like I was like, this is terrifying. Um, And I just like got someone else to just like drive him to the hospital and just be like, someone please tell me like this guy's going to survive. Cause at the time I didn't even know, like, should I be leaving my post? 
Should, like, yeah. should I be calling, uh, should I be calling the, you know, the paramedics? Like, how long is that going to take? Like, this guy needs a hospital, like, 30 minutes ago. Like, this guy's, like, I couldn't believe it. It was the, yeah. So oh. those two things really stick out. Yeah. Old Spaghetti Factory was a crazy place to work. <laughs> Where Old Spaghetti Factory? Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I know that knife, and I have seen many accidents throughout the year with it years with it it is like at terwilliger i think after like the fifth person getting stitches i was like this knife is going in the garbage <laughs> i got rid of it it was yeah. it so many people yeah, yeah. <laughs> a good reason to buy not bulk cheese like the yeah. super big bricks are cheap but i mean they'll cost it, you <laughs> yeah yeah they'll cost you in fingers and wrists yeah yeah <laughs> okay question number two <laughs> skydiving or uh deep sea diving with great white sharks uh i'm terrified of the ocean so i'd go skydiving okay yeah <laughs> all right sounds everything good everything in the ocean scares me everything oh and I've, I've gone scuba diving before and that was terrifying but even <laughs> snorkeling terrifying just deep dark water that you can't see the bottom of terrifying I get it. I just don't put too much thought into it. Like I, yeah. I, as soon as you're saying it, I can feel that little bit of anxiety creep up inside of me, but I always step it back down because I love the ocean, but, but I get it. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question. If you found yourself in a place financially where you never had to work another day again in your life, yeah. what would you do? Um, probably just travel. I mean, I, I haven't got to travel a lot. My wife hasn't got to travel a lot. My kids, like I said, we just got passports for them. So they've never, but, um, I, I, I love, well, I love food. Obviously I've been in the restaurant industry forever, but I love food. I love new food. Um, you know, my family might not be as experimental, but I mean, I love it. I think it speaks about, um, you know, people and their culture and their customs more than anything else. And, um, yeah, I, I love traveling and I love trying new food and I love seeing new things and how people live and what love crazy it. world it is. So yeah, that's it all is, I would it's do. It's a crazy world. It's super fun out there. Yeah. COVID needs to get out so we can get back to this. Like seriously. Yeah, yeah it is one of the most beautiful things. And that's what, um, it's definitely what kept Chris and I traveling all those years. Like we would always go somewhere new and always one of the reasons why we would visit somewhere would be food. If somebody said like, like we never went to um, Cuba or things like that. Cause people are like, the food suck. We're like, no, <laughs> like yeah. we're not, we're not spending money to go there. <laughs> if it's going to be crappy food, like that's not what we're doing. Yeah. So everywhere we went, food was like, we went to Italy and we went to France and we did like all of these like different kind of culinary Spain, a culinary tour. And like, yeah, those things were, yeah. You never forget them. And you learn so much about the culture, which is so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. You just try, and I always try to avoid like the big chain restaurant concepts that are there. And I'm just like, you know, if you can find a vendor who's on the street, um, that's the place to go. Or the, like the little markets, you know, the fresh food markets, you know, um, it's, it's sad that Canada isn't better for that, but, um, no. but I, I imagine people come here and be like, I don't know, food's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're just like want something else because we're here <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome um so as we start to wrap this up today do you have any final thoughts for the listeners from Courtney Campbell final thoughts um well I would say if you're listening to this if you stumbled upon this podcast you've stumbled upon a good one 
because um, Allie, you're you're always amazing at what you do. Um, but if you're if you're not part of the hospitality industry and you fall upon this, then know that this is this is what it should be like. There's so many of those server life, all those like you know, and they're they're funny and they have their place, but it's it's not what it is. It's a lot more fun and positivity than it is, um, you know, you know, Karen's giving you a hard time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so that that's what I would say. And if you're if you're part of the hospitality industry and you're listening to this, hold more weight to this than you do, you know, all those little tiny negative things because um, you know what you, what you do matters no matter what you're doing, right? So what you what you accomplish in the hospitality industry, um, you're going to carry forward into everything else, and that attitude that you have while you're there is going to carry forward to everything else. So if you have sort of a stink attitude while you're at the hospitality industry it's going to follow you because this is the place where, where all the diamonds get polished, I guess. Yeah. Love it. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so good. (laughs) I don't even have anything to say beyond that. Besides, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. Well, that's a wrap everyone. Another week of discovering hospitality and one more amazing guest on to share their beautiful stories. Thank you so much to all of you, our listeners, for your continued support. The success of this podcast is totally because of all of you, and to that I owe my deepest gratitude. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, share it with a friend. And as always, don't forget to rate, leave a review, and subscribe to this podcast. I love hearing your feedback. And remember... The world is always made more beautiful by people like you. Don't ever forget it. Until next week, take care everyone, and we'll see you then.